Thank you, Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. You know, listening to the testimonies this morning, um, we realize that we're in a spiritual battle. You know, why is it so hard to come to church? You know, well, it's, it's easy to go out to a restaurant. It's easy to go to the movies. It's easy to do this, that, and the other. But when it comes to coming to church, there always seems to be some resistance or, a, you know, a, that, that like, oh, man, and the flesh rises up and opposition comes. But the thing that we always hear is once we um, tell our mind, will, and emotions to line up with our spirit because we know that that's what we should do, then there's a blessing on the other end of that. And a lot of times, the harder the resistance, the bigger the blessing to come in. I think that we can all witness to that reality. Um, we just thank the Lord that he is faithful, you know, that he, he's always good, he's always consistent. You know, his nature is so steadfast and so solid, you know, and we can rely on that and uh, rely on his um, persistence and his commitment towards us. You know, I love that song, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, I love that song because it, it just, it sings about God's nature towards us. You know, um, you know, like Pastor Tasha said, that this is the um, 12th lesson that we've gone through. And this is like the crowning jewel of the lessons. And it's about God's love. You know, it's about God's love. Um, it all begins and ends with God's love. And thank God that we're the recipients of that. You know, that we're the recipients of God's love. Um, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for these testimonies, Lord. And thank you that you are moving and mightily in our midst. Lord, that these prayer requests have been heard in the heavenly realm. It says in your word that we can come boldly before your throne room of grace and to petition you in the time of need. And you hear us, Lord, and you uh, act in accordance with your word. So we're looking to you for miraculous healings. We're looking to you for miraculous uh, moves. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that in this season that we would be used to be a dispenser of life to those around us. Help us, Lord, to look for opportunities to be a blessing to those around us. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, Lord, above that all, that it was your love that brought us to this place. It was your plan and your purpose that is being worked out. We ask, Lord, that you would pour out a fresh uh, outflow of that and we would be positioned to receive it even right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would pour out its, his love upon us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, we're, we're in the, that season, the, the Christmas season, or the time where we celebrate uh, the incarnation of Christ. And I, every year I bring this up. You know, it's not commanded in the, in the scriptures to uh, have Christmas. But yet, it was a time... And I was, you know, I was having a conversation with Joshua, he called him up, and we were talking about um, there's people who believe in this uh, oneness uh, gospel or something different, it's a, it's a strange gospel, but 
it says that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit all one in Jesus. And I'm like, that's, I, somebody came to the church one time and was presenting that, and I go, that just doesn't sound accurate. The, there was a point in history where Jesus Christ, who was eternal with the Father, he was always with the Father, but there was a time where it was, it's, he says, this is the time where he says his firstborn entered into his creation. That Jesus Christ uh, veiled himself and his majesty in a body of flesh. And he came and he was, there was a confusion about him. Because, you know, the world couldn't receive this, this gift, this, this amazing gift, because he was veiled in flesh, and yet he was confounding the people. He's confounding the Pharisees. It says, we're not going to crucify you because, you know, of miracles that you've done or sealing people on the Sabbath, but you being a man make yourself equal to God. And it's been a confounding to a lot of people ever since then to figure out who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, the greatest gift ever given to mankind. The greatest gift. You know, we're in that season of Christmas and we receive gifts and we give gifts. And that was a tremendous testimony, Heidi. And it reminded me of this gift of salvation that we have in Christ. And yet she kept saying, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. And it was just went on and on. And that's really who we are, who is what we've been given in Christ. You know, but wait, there's more. There's the Holy Spirit. Wait, there's more. There's gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wait, there's more. There's a, a intimacy. You have access to the Father. And all of this emanated because of Jesus Christ's love for us. That it was his plan. It was his plan. It was he and the Father and the Holy Spirit. They, once mankind fell, once mankind sinned, we have a plan already. We have a plan. Uh, this, this Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, the plan was already there. God knew that this was going to happen, you know. And we, we look at the failure of man. We look at the failure of, of our sinful natures. And the devil always wanted to bring condemnation on us. But it's the love of God that was poured out in our heart. I want to read this scripture in um, um, Romans. Romans chapter 5. It says this in Romans 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, we're going to go through stuff in life. He never promised that life was going to be this smooth road, that it was just going to be, you know, once you got born again, nothing was come your way or nothing would be giving you trouble. But we had that experience when we asked the Lord to come into our heart. The love of God was poured into our hearts. I don't know if you can remember the time where um, when you ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and you could go up and hug your worst enemy at that moment. Anybody remember those days? 
Remember those days when you're, that love just overwhelmed you, and it was supernatural. It was a supernatural love that was part. It was an evidence of the Holy Spirit abiding in our hearts. And there's times where as life goes on, we get, we get bumped and we get scraped and things come against us. And then, you know, we question that, that experience. Was that real? Was that really real? And it is. It was that evidence, that initial evidence of the Holy Spirit showing us that agape love, not, um, not the common love, but agape love is God's unconditional love. It doesn't come with conditions. It doesn't come, if you do this, then I'll get th- you get this. It's like totally unconditional. And it's up to us now to pursue that love, to pursue that relationship with the Lord. It says in here in verse 6, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps by a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have now received reconciliation. It wasn't that God waited for us to clean up our act. You know, get your house in order and then we can talk business. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was willing to do this. You know, he didn't wait for us on their best, but in fact, he waited, uh, I mean, he did it when we were at our worst and he died for us and he shed his love through his blood. And you think about this, you know, I've, I've heard this said that, you know, we, we read the Old Testament and people sometimes they think, well, the God of the Old Testament was a mean God. He was an angry God. He was a God of vengeance. And um, the New Testament, Jesus, he's a more kinder and gentler kind of version of God. But in reality, as the story unfolds in the Bible, it's showing the attributes of God. And whatever he did in the Old Testament was motivated by love. It's the same love. It's just a different attributes of God's nature. God is holy. God is righteous. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, apart from the grace, apart from the love of God and the love of Jesus. In fact, it talks about in Romans that the people that were saved, David was saved back in those days, and it says that God uh, forgave David because of what he did, and he was a recipient of the grace that we have in this age. Now you think about the Old Testament, you see, you see the creative powers of God. You see how intense his creative powers is, where creating the world, speaking it into existing, spe- existence, speaking all the plant life, all the animal life, creating you know, mountains and beauty. And you look at the manifold, um, uh, multi-varied creation of God. You look at the amount of insects and birds and trees and whatever. You go to an arboretum and you're just looking at, wow, I never saw that plant before. And it's just so varied in God's uh, creative powers. So in his creation, he shows a certain attribute of himself. And then he shows, you know, in, in the Old Testament where there was sinfulness, and then he shows his, his uh, disdain for that, and he'll pour out his wrath on certain things. And you, you see to yourself, well, God hates sin. This is how he looks at sin. And we look at Jesus on the cross, and we see the, the wrath that was poured out on him, and we get a, we get a sense of this is what God's uh, nature is towards sin and rebellion. 
and this thing was poured out upon Christ so that we could be the recipients of the grace and the mercy. But God is holy and righteous. He couldn't just wave a wand over it and says, okay, uh, your sin is, is being absolved because I said so, but somebody had to take the, the penalty for that. And so in God showing his, his multifaceted nature, the, the one way that God showed his amazing love to us by the life of Jesus Christ. That's how he manifested his love to us. The, 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 we, you, know, the, you hear that song, the overwhelming love of God that was manifested through Christ his son. That when he, um, he chose to show his creation through you know, the things that he made, he, show, he chose to show his disdain for sin by the attributes in the Old Testament. But the way that God could show the magnitude of his love was through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're the ones that re, we were the ones who reaped the benefit of that. You know, you know we're in the, like I said, we're in the Christmas season and the most popular scripture, the most famous scripture um, in the Bible is, for God so loved the world. You know, you see it at all the football games, everything. Uh, people, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God was motivated by love to send Jesus. He was motivated by love. That was what his nature was, to love. In fact, you know, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about this, this God-type love. And, you know, when I read this, and I've said this before in church, it can bring conviction. Because, I mean, thinking about the love of God, preaching about the love of God, that's a deep topic, man, right there. That's heavy, man. And in the midst of 1 Corinthians, uh, there's, you know, chapter 12 is talking about these gifts, this manifestation of the gifts, these things that God has given to us. He's given us all, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and operating in the gifts in there. But then in the middle of this chapter, he stops in, in chapter 13, and he wants to get things right. He wants to get things straightened out here. And this is what he says in chapter 13. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I can have faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understand as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. 
So this is a premium that God puts on love. He puts on this type of godly love that if you look at those attributes that I just read, that is love right off the top suffers long and is kind. You know, it's a high bar. How many of us can say that? That I've suffered long and my, re- my reaction towards that was kindness. That it, it didn't keep a record of wrong. It didn't revile. When Jesus was reviled, he didn't revile in, ter- in return, but he offered blessing. And he offered forgiveness. And he did these things. And it's just like, wow. And it says that, you know, we talked about faith last week, or grace through faith. And it says, now abide faith, hope, and love of these things, but the greatest of these is love. In fact, in the uh, first church in the book of Revelation, the uh, church of Ephesus, and he says, man, you guys can discern a false prophet. You can do this. You have right teaching and all this. But I have this against you, that you've left your first love. You've left your first love. And it says, repent from where you have fallen or else I'm going to come and I'm going to take your candlestick away. So this is something that we got to guard. You know, it also says in the last days, it says because of iniquity, because of persistent sinfulness, because people are, are just all about themselves, that it says the love of many would grow cold. So it's a cautionary uh, thing that the Lord is telling us in the last day, that this would be something that would be prevalent. You know, even the fact of um, not even natural affection. You look at some of the things that we see in the world today, and you're just like, wow, this world is really losing it here. But we ask the Lord for him to empower us to be manifesting that sort of love that Jesus had, because he initiated it, and he gave it. And God so loved the world that he gave his son, you know, the greatest gift ever to mankind, the greatest gift ever given to us, the love of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit pouring out that love in our hearts, that we are to be ambassadors of that sort of love. It's a high standard. It's hard. It's hard to love at times. You know, it's hard to love. It's hard to love the unlovable. It's, a, it's easy to love people that are lovely, but is it hard to love the unloving? It, it gets tough, man. This is the standard, though. First John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's our motivation right there. If the Lord loved us, we ought to lo- learn how to love one another. I want to read this in um, this story, and we're familiar with this, or should be. This is in um, Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Um, chapter 7, verse 36. And this is when Jesus went and had um, dinner or had a meal with the Pharisees. It says in verse 36 of chapter 7, it says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table, the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. I was thinking about this, man. How did she get into that house? You know, this guy's a Pharisee, and, and she's just like this woman who seems to have some sort of a reputation, which is, um, you know, not so good. And how did she get in there? But she did. And it says, she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and, of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. 
Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who this and, and what manner of the woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So in that verse 39 right there, Jesus, he didn't even speak that, but he was thinking that. And the Lord read his thoughts right there. That this is what the man was thinking. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when he had nothing with them to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to them, you have judged rightly. And then he turned to the woman and said to him, Simon, do you see this woman? I've entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman who has anointed my feet with fragrant oil, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith saves you. Go in peace. Isn't that a tremendous story right there? I mean, to see that, that this woman uh, of this reputation and confronting the extremely religious, the Pharisees, extremely religious. Like I said, how did she even get into the house? I would think that this is an exclusive lunch or whatever. We got Jesus here and I want to ask him some questions. This woman comes in and she's so touched by the presence of Jesus there that she's just weeping and weeping. You ever did that in the presence of the Lord? That, that God just grab your heart and you realize, I don't know, there's just something that you realize. You realize, man, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the forgiveness of Jesus. I don't deserve the love that he's poured out in my heart. But it just grabs you. I remember when I first started preaching, the Lord called me to preach, which is a challenge. But I remember I would start to preach, and I would just start crying and crying. And I'm sitting up there, and I'm like, Lord. And then you say something about Jesus, and it's like you just squeeze your heart, and you're just like, I'm broken, man. You know what I'm talking about. Just the goodness of God, the, that love of, of the depth of the love of God hitting your heart. And you're just like, I remember being in the hospital. And when I was doing my surgery, I could feel when, pe when people pray, you can feel it. I remember, and I went into a surgery, and, and, and I, was, I, I had to go through so many surgeries that the antibiotics, um, the penicillin just destroyed my bacteria in my stomach. So I couldn't really eat too many things, right? And so I got out of the surgery. The surgery was delayed all day, and, and I was like 9 o'clock at night. And I go, they're not going to do surgery on me. It's too late already. And they said, oh, the doctor's ready. We're going to do surgery. So I didn't eat anything the whole day, you know, because you can't eat before you go to surgery. And so I went into the surgery, and you come out, you're, you know, recovering. And then it's, I'm hungry, man. I want to eat something. And I'm not a particular eater. And then so, you know, they, they brought my food out in the hospital. And everybody grumbles about the hospital food. I thought, it's pretty good. I didn't think anything wrong with it. But they opened up the plate, and it was some kind of meat that was not heated because it was past the, the hospital, you know, thing's hour. And, I, and I, I just looked at it, and I go, man, I'm so hungry. But I know if I eat this, I'm going to just be sick. I can't do it. 
And one of the, the male nurses was there, and he goes, you know what? I have a sandwich, and you can eat this. And he offered me my, his sandwich, and it just touched my heart, man, so deeply. Like, you don't even really know me, man. And you're giving me your dinner or your lunch or whatever for me to eat. And it just hit me in the heart right there, the love that this person would do something that was beyond, you know, normal. And I remember just the kind of stuff would just make me cry. They talk about the Lord during those times of brokenness. It just makes you cry. Your heart is tender towards the Lord. Couldn't talk about God and just cry. The love of God poured out in her heart. The goodness of God. That he cares for us that much. That he would send his son as the gift and the payment for our sin because we were separated. That he's concerned about the one that's, it feels like, well, I don't, I, I, I can't even go in there. I can't do it because why? Why would, you, why would you forgive me? Why would you do this for me? The love of God. His motivation is love. That he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That if we would believe in him, we wouldn't perish. We have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read this scripture. You know, there was a, the lesson that I was gleaning from here. There was a, all, I, I wrote down all the scriptures having to do with this lesson, and I'm just praying that I can string them together somehow, or some of them at least. Ephesians 3.16. What is it with 3.16 scriptures? There's plenty of them. It's 3.16 through 19. It says, That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the spirit of the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I remember Chuck Missler making a comment on this and listening to his teaching. He goes, God is asking something, or, or the scripture is saying that we could attain to something that's impossible that it's going to take, I think, all of eternity, it says in Ephesians, that God is going to be showering us with this understanding of his love. He's going to be pouring out and pouring out and pouring out to the eons, it says, the ages to come, this grace that he's lavished us with. And it says here, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth, four dimensions of love, love that surpasses our understanding, that we would ask for the Holy Spirit to make this known to us somehow. Amen? I mean, who doesn't need that to be able to have that? Have a, a fresh revelation of, of this four-dimensional love of God, supernatural, poured out in our heart once again, position ourselves to receive from God that infilling of his Holy Spirit so that we can be like this woman, broken, that we would run to the Lord instead of run away from him because we sense his goodness, his grace, his mercy that the love of God poured out into our hearts. It's by faith that we receive these things. You know, I was listening to Derek Prince. Like I said, I love this man. I mean, just such wisdom. Thank God that he recorded his sermons. He recorded the depth of his knowledge. And he says there's a tension that takes place here. And I go, man, I can identify with that. We see God is light. He dwells in an unapproachable light. And we look at God and you're like, whoa, that's a lot of light. And when we go into that light, we look at ourselves and says, ooh, man, we need some work here. But 
what cancels that, I shouldn't say cancels, what, what makes us clothed is the love of God. There's these two tensions right here. There's the holiness and the righteousness and the, the light of God. And we look at it, it's like, oh, that's bright, man. And so who can go into the presence? Who can see the face of God and live? But then Jesus, veiled in flesh, comes and he goes, I'm going to represent this. In a, in a form that you can understand. I'm going to come in a form of man and I'm going to show you the love of God so that you can approach this unapproachable light because of what I've done. So he said there's these tensions between the two and what we need to do, we constantly need to be looking at Jesus. Look at how he reacted to this woman. Who's the one who loves more? Somebody in their self-righteousness, well, I don't have a whole lot to be forgiven for. So I love small kind. Or the woman who's like, man, if you knew what I did, and she's just pouring it out. He says that alabaster box, that thing was worth a lot of money, it says. And she was willing to just lavish it here, man, boom. When we look at the holiness of God, and we look at our lives in light of that, if we read the book of 1 John, it talks about the nature of God, his love towards us, his provision for our sins. But if we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because he says if we walk in the dark and we say we have fellowship with God, we lie. But if we bring those things to the Lord, we go to the light and say, this is who I am, Lord. I need your help. He's faithful and just to forgive us because he loves us. His motivation is love. I want to have fellowship with you. Have faith that I love you, even when you don't feel it. Even when you don't feel it. Because it's not about feeling, it's about faith. That we have to believe God's word over what we feel about these things sometimes. Because like I said, why is it that we resist coming to church? Because there's a tension, it's a spiritual battle. God don't want you coming in, he don't want you hearing a message like this. He don't want you to know the reality of how he views these things. He wants us to be Isolated. Amen? First John 4, 16 through 18, it says, And we know and have believed the love of God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Love has been perfected among, among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, as he is, so we are in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been perfected, perfect in love. Still trying to figure that one out. You know, I still got fears. I still have fears. You know, things that I'm, that I'm afraid of, fear of rejection, fear of failure fear of the dark, fear of this, fear of whatever. And it says that perfect love casts out all fear. There's no fear in perfect love. So it's something that we should be aiming for. I'm aiming for that, that my sense of, uh, of acceptance and wellness and, and, and you know just my future is all tied up in the love of God. And God is love. And God so loved the world. He loved everyone in the world that whosoever would believe, we believe in Jesus, that we shouldn't perish, but we have eternal life. 
I like this in John 1 John 3, 1. It says, behold. The word behold is an interesting word. It means to stop and think and meditate and consider. Just like what Jesus did to that woman, the sinful woman. It says, do you consider the person who had a massive amount of debt or the one who had a small debt, which one would love more? Behold, he says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. You know, talking about the Christmas season, and that was one of the things. He says he came amongst his own, and his own didn't recognize him. It was so foreign to them, and their concept of what God is and who God is. And like I said, when God says, I'm going to show them my attributes, I poured it all into Jesus Christ. And God is love, and Jesus Christ is love. So this is how we get to know this type of love. We look and we study, and we behold the life of Christ. And by that, we say, Lord, I need that empowerment from your Holy Spirit to show these attributes of who you are. You know, I was thinking about this. You ever heard of, um, you know, just like what happened with Heidi. I was thinking about this. You, you hear of random acts of kindness. Random acts of, of, in this season, in this time, or it should be any time. But, you know, to go up and I hear, you know, people say you see somebody uh, in back of you. and you, if, I mean, I don't go to fast food too much anymore, but behind there buying fast food and you just tell the lady, whatever those guys are buying behind, I, I got it. I got it covered. Or you see somebody at the, the store buying stuff and they look like, man, it look like they're kind of in need here. And you just pay for it right there. You pay for it. Random acts of kindness. You know, that's an amazing story, man. Just a stranger here. You're on a mission. I'm on a mission too. And give them a Bible with a crocheted thing, with a crocheted bag, with $20 on top of it. But wait, there's more. You know, it says boom, boom, boom. And these are the things that we need to look at opportunity to get involved, to help people, to do things uncommon that would say, and then we direct it to Jesus. Jesus did this for me, for us. Jesus loved me this way and do it and we direct the glory to the Lord. I think the world needs more of us like that, amen? That's a challenge. You know, we can talk about, I can talk about the love of Jesus all day long, but what about you manifesting the love of Jesus? Now that's another topic. Amen? That takes some effort right there. But I think when we do that, then we get to know him, which is what he wants. I want to know you. Intimate knowledge. Experiential knowledge. So I'm going to end with that. And I just pray, Lord, that you would pour that out in our heart, that, that obedience that that would take to behold this, to display this, and to point the glory to you when we do it. Amen? Amen. Wouldn't that? Why don't we open up the front here for testimony? This is what God prompted me to do. This is the result. That we would have some testimonies along those lines coming up into the Christmas season. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.